We are the Knights of Awakening. Hello, good morning and evening. We are the Knights of Awakening, broadcasting from our corner of the universe to yours. I am your host, Knight Justin, reaching out to all of you, our brothers and sisters, wherever you may call home. From the foothills of the beautiful Rocky Mountains, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. We are the Knights of Awakening, and I'm your host, Justin. Joining me today, because secretly he told somebody, and I won't spill the beans, but he told somebody that I can't be trusted on the air by myself anymore. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can't trust me on the air so much, you, you just drop yourself. I didn't drop myself, it dropped me. <laughs> Joining me today is none other than the one, the only, the great Zambini. Is that, is that what we're calling Zambini. him? <laughs> is Zambini a thing? Charles McBride. A zoo. A what? A zoo? Oh, kazoo. Kazoo, yeah. Wasn't that from the Flintstones? Yes. <laughs> was he an alien or, or, or like a wizard? He was an alien, right? He was an alien with magic powers. So thank you so much for joining me today, Charles. I appreciate it. Um, there, I, I called Charles up and asked him to uh, debate the main topic with me today because um, I posted up a question in the KOA discussion group. And I got some very interesting, interesting um, responses. And Charles and I, on the surface, I think it seems like we're kind of, we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, opposite on this. Uh, but I don't think that's the case, really. But we'll find out. Before we get to that, though, let's check in and see what uh, the rest of the KOA has been up to. What's been going on this last week? We'll start off with uh, the the hurricanes. In Florida and Texas and stuff, and I'll, and I'll get you in here in a second, Charles, because you did post an update video, because uh, you are from Florida, you do live in Florida. You're not from there, but you live there. But I want to thank Allie for all the hard work that she's been putting into getting the information out there, getting people information that's kind of hard to get sometimes. And she got a lot of information out before any of the major stuff hit, so people had a chance to get the info and save it, or write it down the numbers. Things like that. So, Allie, great job. She's probably going to be really mad at me for saying this. And I think I may have said this in the last show. I may have talked about this a little bit, but I called her up and asked her, you know, for, for just kind of like a, a real short, condensed version of all the stuff she's putting together so I could put it out on the show and hopefully reach a, you know, help her reach a wider audience. And she confided to me that she was, you know, she was, it was really hard for her to do because she was upset that she couldn't be down there. She needs to understand, and I hope she understands that she's done 
those who are affected big service and she's done them uh, a lot of good so I, actually i think we did talk about this you and i because we were talking about you know how how one could be helpful when they're not in the area but i just want to give her a shout out again and you know i've kind of kept quiet on the pages uh this week so that it, it clears up the spot for her to you know get that information out there and you know, I was helping her share it on, on my personal page and things like that. I don't know how many – I, you know, it's funny. Before I get to you, Charles, one thing I realized uh, during this uh, during this hurricane was that I had a lot more friends who live in Florida now than I even knew or people who were in the path in the, the coastal Alabamas and the coastal Georgias and that too. So – but you gave us an update. Uh, you posted a video up. You gave us an update uh, – about how you guys are doing. You guys are home and, and all that stuff now, right? Yep, we are home. I've gotten back to work, which is always good because we work from home. Um, Honestly, we didn't get affected too much by it. Uh, there, was, there was some impact, but for the most part, we weathered it fairly well. Um... My home is solid concrete, so when we came home, even the even the electric was still on. Like the electric had not went off. We were worried that we might have lost, you know, all of our freezer food. And as I said, you know, we walked through the door and the microwave, which it still had fifty three seconds from whatever we had done before, and we had cleared it, but we hadn't cleared the timer. There was still fifty three seconds on it. So I was kind of like, we didn't even lose power. Um, we may have had a power surge that took out a clock, but it really didn't hit us that bad. It hit the rest of Madison a little bit worse. Um, it definitely had some heavier impact down south of us in places like Bradenton and Sarasota. Um, Daytona got ravished. Miami got destroyed. Like, Miami just... I, I don't think Miami is technically still there. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's still there, but... It, it, it got it got almost wiped off the map. Um, surprisingly, Puerto Rico was more or less, I won't say spared, but it was not hit as hard as we thought it was going to be, which is good. I have friends down there that I was checking in on and made sure that they're okay. So all in all, I'm, I'm going to give this this category five a uh, a five out of ten for for what it's uh, done affecting us. Uh, we have some family that took some uh, property damage, and we lost a few days of work, which always sucks. But I'm back on the horse, so that's good, you know. Yeah, it, it's funny because, um, like I was saying, you know, of course I knew you guys lived in Florida, but I, I was seeing all these people that I've known for uh, years, or, or you know, who I knew years years ago, and we're just connected on Facebook. That you know, they were they're posting, oh, I'm, I'm taking off, I'm heading to. You know, Georgia, or I'm heading to wherever. And I was like, wow, I actually have a lot of people. So I'm glad that I started sharing, you know, a, a, as I could catch her information coming out, I'm glad I could share it because I know for a fact that people got it. You know, I know they did because they're they're connected to me on Facebook. I've even had a, I had a couple people message me and say, hey, I don't know who's, I, I don't know who got, you know, I don't know where you got this information from, but, uh, you know, thanks. There was a phone number I was trying to find and, and it was on there. Uh, for example, so you know my thing, Charles. I'll talk to a hundred to reach one. So no you know, doubt, and you know, mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. I mean, so uh, but but good job, Allie. 
yeah, she did an amazing job. Like I said in, in the last video, I looked through the links that she did, and I checked them uh, just for areas where I already knew some of the information. And in that, I double-checked to make sure that, you know, it was accurate and it was good. And she, she produced quite a bit of links and resources for people. So that post has been a great go-to for people, and I think it it's probably saved it hasn't saved lives at least it is uh it has made the the turmoil that is this easier to deal with and it may have even saved some lives which is always always you know the goal in a situation like this yeah at the very least you know it provided some peace of mind at least for this particular friend of mine who who thanked me for sharing it and, and sometimes peace of mind is is all you need because it, it could be stressful you can freak it out, especially if you have a bunch of kids or a bunch of uh, uh, pets that you have to try to figure out or worry about. Um, you know, do I leave? Do I stay? It, it's not an easy thing to deal with. You know, people like me who live in the middle of the country go, dude, just leave. It's not hard. Just leave. It's hard and it's stressful. And it's, you know, if you've never had to contemplate running away from everything you have worked for your entire life, it is stressful and it's hard to deal with. So sometimes peace of mind is good it's good for you you recently posted up a video about shaming in society charles that that has gathered quite a bit of attention and this stems from from a few incidents that you and i were talking about you know stuff that you and i have seen personally um, from various different groups and things like that and you decided to do a video about it in the video you you know you were talking about we kind of all do this to a degree, and you and I even off the air were talking about how, how parents sometimes will, will, will use shame as a, as a dis disciplinary tool for their children to kind of curb behavior. And we, we even use shaming in our society to combat really heinous crimes and things like that, like you know crimes against children or whatever. What was, the, what was your biggest takeaway from, from this video and, and, and other responses you've gotten from people? Well... I would say the biggest takeaway I have from the responses would have to be that definitely the expression of what I was saying probably got taken a little bit wrong because a lot of people see shaming as only bullying. And, you know, I don't see it as necessarily that. I think shaming uh, is, an, is the act of causing shame upon another for various reasons and that there are times in society where it's necessary. But I also see why people would see it in a certain light, given the publicity it's gotten over the past few years and the connotation it's taken to mean. And at no point was I saying bullying was the road that anyone should go, certainly not anyone being nightly. That said, one of the takeaways I got from doing the videos, I really, I really, it opened my eyes to how much we do use it in society, especially as a corrective measure. We use it for correcting our children. We use it for correcting other individuals in the workplace and the way they react. You know, if you have a coworker who doesn't ever come into work one time and it's causing issue for the people in the job site, they'll shame that person into coming into work one time. And that is a fact of life, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the takeaways I got from it, I, I because, of course, I understood – you know, sh shaming does happen, and, and sometimes it's used as a tool to uh, enact positive change in somebody. 
when it's done in a way that you know you, know, you use the workplace as an example when, when, when people kind of tease each other about being late or tease each other about you know coming in with a uh, a nasty looking uniform or something if it's done if it's if it's done in a way that's you know not not harmful and you're trying to get you know enact positive change as a manager and a supervisor for for a very long time i've used i've used shaming techniques um in a way that were subtle but but they weren't you know but they were try, but they were still geared to be effective um but one thing that, that, that I wanted to talk about with you um, about your video was how in some of the cases that you and I talked about um, before you did the video, how it seemed that people, well, for one, they were being two-faced. Seriously, just, just two-faced to the max. A, a rose in one hand and a knife in the other. But the worst part of it was that they would they would shame a victim shame a victim of something that almost as if to take to turn the victim into the perpetrator or make the perpetrator better than the victim because the perpetrator is not being shamed but here this you know here a victim of something is being shamed mocked and ridiculed even I mean, he was even more than shame that is absolutely correct and we did discuss that and it is something that happens a fair bit. And it's really bad that people will do that. It's really sad that people will do that and then play the role of the white knight. They'll pretend that they're better than everyone else and that they would never do that. And we see people do it all the time. And it's shocking. It's shocking how people will rush to the side of the person that it's easier to support because that person has power or influence rather than standing for what they believe in or supposedly believe in, because it's inconvenient to believe in it, because it's going to be unpopular. Now, for me, anytime I have a group that I'm unpopular with, if that group says that up is down and down is up, I either leave that group or I stand against that group until I'm uh, asked to leave. Um Maybe I should use a different set of words than asked. Forcibly removed might be the better option. <laughs> because asking me to leave isn't necessarily a guarantee that I'm going anywhere. In fact, it could imply that I'm going to get louder at that point. I have been known to increase my volume significantly. Especially when I'm being silenced, as it were. So... Yeah. Yeah, no. The way I'm, I see it, either your morals are strong but flexible. And I always say there's always that one, that one catch twenty two that your moral code doesn't cover, or you don't have any morals and you're just pretending to. And hey, you know what? Role playing games are great. I think everyone should play a paladin at least once. I think everyone should play a cleric or a knight at least once in a role playing game. Um, but if you think you're the real thing in real life, or even if you think you're a good person, you always got to check and see if you're a good person or if you just rolled a lot of really good D20 rolls when you were on pen and paper and that it got to your head in real life. And I think a lot of people, that's all it is. They, they have played the part of the hero and the good guy 
long enough that they buy into their own BS. And what they forget is that even in a game, a hero is only a hero so long as they're being heroic. Yeah, as we were saying before before we started doing this live recording, sometimes what the world needs is a good old-fashioned soul gem, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, actually, what, I, what was going on is I said, I said to Justin, we were talking about the nature of violent or aggressive people or people like rapists and things like that, and he had made note very, very clearly that he values the life of that person, the spark that is life, but he doesn't value that person and them living at that moment. And I said, what you need to do is get yourself a shirt with a picture. I'm going to get him one at some point, you know, I'm probably not really going to get him one. Um, so we're going to be speaking on honesty here really more than <laughs> holding to our word. I'm not really getting him the shirt. That was a figure of speech, but um, yeah, I kind of want to now with a finger pointing outward and a, a soul gem, and, you know, have on it written, you are the, you are the reason, or I, or I need this for you, or you are the reason I have this, I have a soul gem right now. B- because there are a lot of people out there that if, if soul gems were real, everyone has played Skyrim, if you haven't, really? Um, <laughs> yeah. But for everyone yeah, who's played been- Skyrim... <laughs> I, I really, truly believe that if Soul Gems existed out there, all the collection, my whole back wall, you'd just see it. And Justin would actually have to do his videos with his face on him. He'd have to put them back up on YouTube again because he would have a wall filled with them. And he'd be like tossing <laughs> them in midair. This is my favorite one. This was a, you know, this was some jackass who cut me off in traffic yesterday. Maybe not quite that bad, but um, I definitely would have a collection. A big collection. What would I do with that many souls? Anyway. <laughs> you become one of those creepy vendors that's always trying to sell you like a, a, a mugwort staff or something. <laughs> well, I, I would... I would, I would <laughs> well, I would be there. You know, I was an adventurer like you once till I took an arrow to the groin. <laughs> hey, I gotta, to- I gotta top the guy who took a sword to the chest. Yeah, th- they all mean the same thing, you know. And I'm not gonna say what mm-hmm. they mean. If you don't know what, if you don't know what what taking an arrow to the knee means, I suggest you look that up right now. While you're listening, go to Google and say, and just type in what does taking an arrow to the knee mean, and you'll understand why I will not say what it means because my wife may be within earshot of me right now. But anyway, so. <laughs> Speaking of the the topic that we're going to be talking, the main topic today that we're going to be talking about later, this shaming in, in society uh, very much lends itself to that too in a lot of ways. Because you know what, if if you are within a group of people and you call yourself a knight, you call yourself um, a person of honor, and as Charles says, you're not role playing. It is your duty to stand up for somebody. It's your duty to not let a victim be treated like a piece of garbage because as as we'll talk about later here in a little bit it's more important to to build your character than to worry about your reputation if you're doing stuff just for your reputation i have bad news for you i have really bad news for you the only person that thinks your reputation is good at that point is you because everybody will see the truth 
So, and we'll talk about that a little more later. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about that we've been um, working on this past week. I posted a video yesterday that I liked that I wanted people to kind of see and get their thoughts on. Uh, was a video by, uh, I guess he's a Facebook personality, Charles. I don't, I don't know what that means, a Facebook personality. Uh, his name is Dan- Daniel Amos. And he did a video. Uh, yeah. He did a video um, uh, titled. You need to distance yourself from selfish people. Yes, thank you. And, you know, it, it really reminded me if you go to our YouTube page, you'll see a lot of videos um, from me talking about things like um, taking out the trash, uh, videos talk- of me talking about loyalty, um, videos where I talk about taking an inventory. And you know, just to name a few, all of these videos kind of revolve around the ideal of keeping people in your life that are good for you, getting rid of the people that are bad for you, keeping people in your life, you know, that, that, that are using you, being selfish or whatever. You know, he kind of narrows in on selfish people. Um, but, you know, th- that's not the worst thing people will do to you. Uh, but it's something, you know, and, and but anyways, the the the. The thing I wanted to talk about was some of the comments were really good. And I'll read some of those to you, and then I'll, I'll let Charles talk about it a little bit. But uh, the funny thing is, as you'll learn a little bit later, <laughs> when I read Charles's response, I didn't have a chance to respond to, to him. But on the surface, again, it seems, like, it seems like you and I are kind of coming from two different directions here. I don't remember what I said. I don't remember what I said to um, when I posted the video. Um, but let me read some of the comments and then I'll read your comment, Charles, uh, because your comment really comes from a much different place than everybody else was coming from, which is good. Uh, because of course our, our goal here is to get people thinking. And if, if we're all saying the same thing, it's really hard. It's really easy to just be lazy and not think, right? Steven said, staying away from selfish people who want to do nothing but take advantage of you. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Talon said an interesting thing. Sometimes when you distance distance yourself from selfish folk, they will then call you the selfish one. To which I replied, people call me such things and worse all the time. But when I I cut the rope holding them to me, it's of no consequence. I'll continue to do my thing regardless of their opinion. Uh, Eric wrote, everyone is selfish in some way. Sometimes distance is good, but you have to remember that the selfish person is still a person with thoughts and feelings that need to be taken into account. Um, or put into a soul gym. I, I mean, Charles, this is what Charles said. <laughs> this is what Charles said. I'm going to read it since I wrote it. It's really hard to tell when you're distancing yourself from selfish people or distancing yourself from people for your own selfish reasons. We're not in our own nature fully objective. And yet, this is why I recommend meditation so much. Once you know yourself better, it's easier to see when the monkey of the mind is running amok and causing you problems. Then you can tell you are being selfish because you can see it in action. However, other times you are being selfish because you want to feel that you are not being selfish. Or you're being selfless, rather, because you want to feel that you're not being selfish. Not because it is right, good, or just. In those situations, you must quell that monkey who wants the reward of being good and right and better and recognize that the two monkeys can and will do battle. I trust that you watched the video. It was really short. Um, Yes. And 
you know, I'm, I mean, let's let's be honest here. Let's let's be transparent. The video is is very general. It's kind of you know just a generalized statement. Um, if people, and I think that the the author of the video uh, is talking about people who are really bad. Like you know, they're they're obviously uh, kind of using you and stuff like that. But that's why I like to post these kind of things to the page because it kind of at first it kind of gets these knee jerk reactions. You know, and, and, and some of those reactions, it's not that they're honest or dishonest. It's the immediate thing, like like Charles is saying, the monkey of the mind. It, 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 sees a, it sees a token and it wants to jump at it. And that's not neither good or bad, but it, it helps create these, these conversations. So what made you instead jump to the conclusion that selfish people are assholes, uh, team, and go to the point where, well, maybe we should stop and look at what we're doing, too? What made you go to that? Well, I'll tell you something. We are a nightly society, we'll call it. Have a really big to-do about honor and dignity. And we really want to feel better about ourselves for these things. Not one of us is fully humble. And if, if we are, I'm the most humble of all of us. Uh, and I want to make sure that everyone knows that first. And... That nay, bit of nay, humor. nay, nay, sir. I'm the most humble of them all. No, no, <laughs> I am far more humble than you will ever be. <laughs> but that that bit of humor really does express that need, especially when you are coming from an idealized method of thinking, or when you have these higher ideals of who you want to be and how you want to be it. There are times that you're doing these for the right reasons because you know it makes a better world, or because you know that it needs to be done, like separating yourself from selfish people that are destructive. But there are times when you are making a connection with someone who is selfish and you are being selfless because you want to be noble and good and right. And you want that cookie of feeling that you are such a valuable soul that you would do this for that person. And when you start acting like that in your own heart, when you when your heart is singing like that, you're not really being selfless. You're not doing it because it's in your nature to be that good of a person. Because sometimes you will, you know. Sometimes you will just be like, you know, it's just it's the right thing to do. And when it's times like that, it's probably gonna be more like it's the right thing to do. But oh God, what I wouldn't do for a soul gem right now. Uh, but those other times when you're like, you know, I, because it is right and it's good and you're sitting there and you're singing your own praises as to how awesome you are for putting up with this, this selfish a-hole that is abusing you, that's not right. That's not noble. That's not just. That's you looking for an internal cookie. You're looking for a reason to pat yourself on the back. And the reason I address anything, anything you see me address on a show, you can bet I've done it before at least once. Or I have been close to doing it. In this case, I've done it. Um, or I've been close to doing it. It's kind of like uh, like the old the old labyrinth episode where I, because I've never done animal sacrifice, but I've come close. I'd contemplated it at one point because I thought I needed that next step in my mystical practices, and I decided I didn't. But I was close. I was close enough to really look at what it did and to really learn about it. You know, if I'm discussing something. You can bet I've either experienced it or been it, or I've been so close to it that I've been enmeshed in it and not been able to dig my way out easily 
with other people around me. And I'm not the worst guy on earth and I have never been the worst of the worst. But in this situation, I'll tell you, I've done it before. Oh, yes. Yes. In my great humility and my selflessness, I have taken on the selfish actions of others. Please do not praise me too loudly. Because I was looking for the internal panel in the back or maybe an external panel in the back from someone else. I want someone to be like, you did a good job. And then in retrospect, I looked at it and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't do this for the right reason. I did this because someone else said it was for the right reason. So if I'm bringing something up like that, nine out of ten times, you can bet that I've done it before. You know, I may not do it now. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, try it. There are plenty of soul gems left. Nay, nay, good sir. I am the fairest. No, that's a different That's a different thing. We don't I, talk I about that on the air, Justin. I'm definitely not the fairest of them all. And, and by fair, I mean good looking. Um, but I do make beautiful children, which I'm very proud of. Oh, oh, ten lashes for me for, for exhibiting pride in something, right? Uh, you must be more me. humble. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of you a know they, of, uh, they say pride goeth before before a call or something like that yeah 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 something like that but but in my humble opinion no it's it's beneficial to to tolerate and this is going to sound really me to say but bear with me because i have a good reason for saying it this way sometimes it's beneficial to tolerate lesser ideals and when i say that understand that i'm coming from a point of where we all have this this prejudgmental idea of of the things that we stand for and the things that we defend and the, the ideals that we hold to our heart. To us, those are the best. I don't care who you are. Even if you are Charles the Humble, he has ideas that, that he will hold. He'll take that to his grave because for him, those are the best ideals ever. And when something comes along... It, it kind of we kind of have this this knee jerk reaction to kind of say, hey, wait a minute, that's that's lesser than what I believe, or that's you know that's beneath me, or whatever. Um, so so understand when I say to tolerate lesser things, I, I'm I'm coming from an honest viewpoint of somebody who really does hold you know th- their truths very close to the heart. But this spiritual path that we walk, okay. If you want to see where you are in your path, if you want to see how, how tough and humble and great you are, a good trial for you is to put yourself in a place where you're uncomfortable, uh, where somebody or something or the, even the world outside is challenging you and challenging your beliefs and challenging you know, where you stand. Because that's where you have to dig deep down. That's where you, that's where you get to find out what you're made of. Right. This is where this is where you find out fast and furious where you're made, what you're made of. And, you know, this this obviously points usually to to where we stand uh, philosophically, if that makes sense. You know, because we have this base of philosophical understanding. It's our quote unquote truth. But it's a good exercise to subject yourself to. Because when we sit around and meditate and we sit around and talk to ourselves and we sit around with people who think like us. It's really hard to find out which parts of us are worth keeping and which parts of us are worth fighting for when somebody challenges that or a group of people challenges that 
Or if somebody comes into your life who is selfish and is just an a-hole, maybe they're there to challenge you. Maybe they're there to make you think. Um, and Charles' response was was very much pointed in that direction. Because maybe they're not the a-hole all the time. Maybe you are some of the times too. I know it's hard to believe that. You know, I have trouble believing myself that I'm, you know, all the times I've been called an a-hole, maybe I really am sometimes. And that's okay. That's all right for me. Um, you know, because there, there is a certain flexibility in this path, as you said, Charles. Not not hard, but flexible, right? Strong and flexible, not hard and, and, and rigid. Because when you're hard and rigid, you break. But there's a certain flexibility to be had when you encounter things that are in opposition to you. In opposition to your hard-held beliefs. My advice is don't remove yourself from this fray. <laughs> don't remove yourself from the chaos either. Roll up your sleeves and don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. What do you think, Charles? I I totally agree. And, you know, you hit on the other thing um, in my response, which is that, yes, it is. It is very much possible that you are distancing yourself from people because you're being selfish. And this is something we've got to – we cannot ignore our own baser – and darker nature if we are to overcome it we have to recognize and it was actually i was talking to uh one of our dedicated dedicated fans and brothers out there and i'm gonna butcher your last name i apologize steve forgetty forgetty i i am terrible with last names it's forger I, I believe it's forger forger I said to him, you know, one of my favorite sayings is actually a quote that I'd come up with years ago. It was a, it's actually my training quote. And that is, no matter how badly I've done today, I can do better tomorrow. You are going to do bad, okay? It's going to happen. You're going to screw up big time. Embrace the suck of it. Embrace that it sucks. Embrace that, you know, you're not going to like yourself for it. And be ready to embrace that. You can't beat yourself up for beating yourself up, but you can beat yourself up and embrace that it's going to hurt. And in that, you know, no matter how, how bad I did today, I can do better tomorrow. And then the other part of it is no matter how good I do tomorrow or no matter how good I do today, I can do even better tomorrow. And it's to say that you shouldn't just settle for having a, done well that day. We have to recognize our faults and our flaws and our mistakes we have to accept that we've made them to move on and do better the next time. We have to have introspection. Without introspection, we are playing at being knights. We are playing at being knightly. And that just, it's just not a value. You, there are better things to play at being. Pretend you're at Hogwarts. It, it'll be more fun. Before we move on, there's a couple things I wanted to talk about. One of them is a guy named Joe. You remember Joe? I do remember Joe. I have not seen him. I, I shouldn't say his last name, I guess. But I remember no. Joe. Yeah. So old Joe, uh, I posted something. Because what we're getting at here, and, and really what you're hitting at is, it is, it is romantic. The ideal of a knight is romantic. You know, the ideal of a, of a Jedi master from the fiction. That's very romantic. It's awesome. It's 
the best, obviously one of the best stories out there because, I mean, billions and billions and billions of dollars and hundreds of millions of people swear to it. It's very romantic. It's awesome. It's off the charts, blah, blah, blah. It's not what, how, what happens here on the dirt, right? This big dirt orb that just hurtling through space. And I had posted something about, uh, and, and, and I'm not even going to try to quote what it was because it's buried somewhere. But it was something about, you know, it's, it, it, it's not our job as knights or any, or any of the kind of light-oriented warrior path to run out and save the world, to rescue the damsels, to destroy the dragons, these things like this. And, and he gave me a lot of flack for that. I don't know if you remember that. He gave me a lot of flack for it. Well, that's the difference, and that's kind of what you're talking about here. It's fine to, to be inspired by something that's, that's beautiful and romantic. I was. That's the, the reason I'm sitting here right now is because I was inspired 15 plus years ago by something that was beautiful and romantic, and it pulled to me. It called to me. But when the rubber meets the road, all that ro- romanticism goes right out the window. Out the tailpipe, man. It's gone. Because you have to figure out what your job is here and what your job is now. I also want to share... I'll give you the last the, the last word on this, Charles, if you have one. But I also want to share an Ashla axiom that, that touches on this. Ashla axiom number 11. Hardness towards others deadens your connection to them. And my thought on this axiom is, is that we should be flexible when dealing with others and you know what give them an out give them a way out of their own way sometimes give them a way out from what they've said give them a way out from what they're doing whenever possible and remember to respect their right to an opinion that's different from yours Uh, you know misunderstandings happen when we refuse to feel and listen you know hearing isn't just how was it said too many people are listening to respond, right? They're not actually listening. They're just listening so that they can get done with that person saying and then give a response regardless of whether what the person was feeling or saying. Uh, because growth doesn't take place from the comfort of a safe space. Any final words on this, Charles? I think, I think you hit on it fantastically. And I think too many people are not looking to grow when they're in a conversation they're looking for reassurance that they're right. And the first sign that you should have that you're not sure of yourself is when you need other people to tell you that you're right. It may not be that you're wrong, but you certainly aren't sure that you're right. And along these lines, I know I said, I know I said I'd give you the last word, but something just came to me that reminded me of this also, and then I promise we'll move on. Uh, it has something to do with loyalty. And this is something that, that I believe, and I preach it, and I... It's where I stand on loyalty. Be loyal to people who not only deserve to enjoy your loyalty, but who also gives the lo- the same amount of loyalty in return. Be loyal to those until they no longer deserve your loyalty. Be loyal to an order or a group who promotes and behaves in a manner that matches yours. Something that you said earlier. You know, if I, if people are saying down is up and and left is right and blah blah blah, you know, you're like you stand up against them or you're peace out. And that's kind of what I'm saying here. Be loyal to an order or group who promotes and behaves 
in a manner that matches yours inside and out. Be loyal to that order or group until they lose their way and no longer emulate an image that you can be proud of and proud to be a part of. Be loyal to the ideas and beliefs that help you hold the line in the face of adversity and unbeatable odds. But only be loyal to those ideals until they no longer serve you. Then be open and willing to find new ones that do. And you know, and this is why we should we should not run from people when they make us uncomfortable. We should not just automatically run from somebody who we think that we think is being selfish or using us. Now, in a, in the extreme example, if someone is using you and you know it for a fact, yeah, toss that bum, toss that you know whatever. Get a soul gem. Make him useful again. But so that that really was the last word on that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my my notes, my show notes are like a it's like a bag of cats here. I'm just like trying to herd them into a one little area and it's not it's not working out for me very well. Uh, cuz I go <laughs> go off on this tangent. Let's talk about the main topic of the day. And this this topic just so people have an understanding where this topic comes from. This topic was requested. I had somebody request this topic and request that I talk about this. And the topic is broken promises and honoring your word. You know, how important is our word? And this isn't only meant for someone who walks the path of a knight or of a light-sided, a light, a light-oriented warrior type path. Uh, this is for regular people who aren't being crappy to each other. I mean, this stuff applies to just people trying to be good and people trying to be decent in the world. But this topic was requested. And so I posted, let me see if I can find it here because I'm all over the place. I posted a question over at the KOA discussion page because I wanted to see what people thought before, you know, before I did this, uh, recorded this segment. I posted the following. My word is my bond. What say you about this statement as it applies to not only knighthood, but being a good person? And I got a lot of good comments, Charles. The large chunk of those are you. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I had to bring you over here so you could uh, talk about this. And we're not going to read all of your comments and stuff. We'll just talk about it straight out. But this is something that's important to people, right? I mean, this nobody wants to hang out with a dude. At least I don't think so. At least I don't. No one wants to hang out with people or have people in their life who are constantly, and I'm not just talking like, you know, maybe once or twice here and there, people who are constantly breaking their, their word, breaking their promises. And I'll give you some context to this. I didn't give you guys context in the page because I wanted to see your raw, just quick response to just a statement, you know, your word is your bond. It's an old statement that goes way back and it invokes a lot of different feelings for people. And I really wanted to get that raw feeling from folks that's why I didn't provide any context, but I'll provide some context now. So this young person has friends who they bend over backwards for. They, they always are keeping their word. They're always keeping their promise, the, the, the person who requests this topic. Yet they're surrounded by people who are constantly, constantly flaking, constantly letting them down, constantly not showing up when they say they're going to or not... You know, just breaking breaking their promises, breaking their word all over the place. And it's to the point where it's almost like a, at an abusive level, if that makes sense. It's not really abuse, but you know what I'm saying. Like they're abusing the friendship, if that makes sense. They're abusing mm-hmm. this friendship by constantly, constantly, all the time, 
not honoring their promises or honoring their word as if they are without honor right as if as if this person means nothing to them even though this person bends over backwards for them so that's the context of the question and you know i know it's kind of a dirty thing for me to do but but i always like to see the raw the raw responses because that's where people you know be get passionate and then and then it makes for a really good it makes for a really good conversation because then we can start nitpicking things and and you know and keep it going um, which is happening right now at the KOA page. You should, you guys should check that out um, and join in if you got some. You know, you guys have an advantage now that they didn't have because now you have the context. But you know, Charles is. You guys can't see Charles, but he's looking at me uh, like you know, you bastard. I didn't know that's what you were talking about. My response may have been different, but who knows? So let's get into this, and and I'll get you started off. I because I know. So before before the live recording. Uh, I couldn't get Charles to shut up about this topic because I wanted him to, you know, save it for the show. And he was just all over me, man. So I, I'll get you going and then I'll let you I'll, I'll let you loose on an unsuspecting world, okay? So Roar. When, we, when we hear this thing, you know, your word is your bond. For me, the, some of these words that, that are invoked in, in my mind when I hear this or, or when I feel this, when I think about this, uh, things like truth, integrity, you know, trustworthiness, honor, virtue, morality, righteousness, just to name a few. I mean, I could go on all damn night probably, um, and I would use uh, Google to help me, but you, you get it, right? You get the point. For a guy like me, and I think for most people in, in the modern world, when we hear the word honor, I think most people relate that now to integrity, right? Just They just kind of resulted that down to integrity because honorable things that were things of honor back then, like you and I meeting up on a grassy knoll and shooting at each other in the name of honor and manliness or whatever, we don't do that stuff anymore because, you know, shooting at people is not good unless, you know, there's something else going on there, but not in the name of honor, right? So I think everybody has kind of moved to the, to, to the word integrity to replace honor, which, you know, is fine with me. But so, you know, and, and, and again, before I, before I cut you loose, this very topic, in many ways, as I said earlier, kind of goes back to that video on shaming, and we talked about that. When I say to you, your word is your bond, um, and I talked, and I'm asking you about broken promises and honoring your word, now that you have context, what is your response now? Well, first I want to clear up. I already kind of knew what it was about. Because there's only a few reasons why someone would bring a topic like this up. But I had to play devil's advocate. Having it out there that, you know, what we're referring to is someone that continually breaks their word. <sighs> this is a very rough situation because now you've got to ask why or what bonds you have to this person, what you've been through with them that makes it worth being around them. And for the person who wanted this explored, I've been in your shoes. I've maintained friendships with oath breakers. I've maintained friendships with terrible people that could not be relied upon for anything. I mean, like if, if, oh, if, if you, if you were dying and it just took a phone call to save your life, they'd be busy, you know, because there were good memories 
you've got to ask yourself at what point you are losing personal honor to maintain this friendship with that person. That's what you've really got to ask at that point, knowing the context of it. But I have to put that this is dealing with the context of a very specialized situation. Most people, most people break promises from time to time. Not all. And almost everyone can be put into a situation where a promise is made to be broken. There are meteorites hit the earth once in a while. Crap goes down, things get bad, and you simply cannot fulfill a promise. It's not that it would be hard to fulfill the promise. It's that it would be dangerous to life or limb to do so in a way that would be unreasonably expected or people might die from fulfilling the promise. It's rare, but when it happens, you know, I think just about everyone will break promises and break oaths in situations when they do come up. It is very rare. But when you have someone that breaks promises just to see how many more promises they can break, you're actually lessening your sense of honor, your sense of self, and the way other people see you. They know that you associate with this person of no of no honor, and thereby you yourself have no honor. Now, you have to gauge that not based just on the perception, but also about how that makes you feel about yourself. You have to look and see if it makes you feel lesser. And if the real reason you're mad at them for breaking their promises is not that they broke their promises all the time because you've expected it by that point, but that you allowed them to get your hope up. And see, hope, like any other virtue, has a dark aspect to it. Hoping that someone does better is great until you start betting on them doing better. At which point, you better make sure you have a good reason to bet. I always say, don't gamble unless you know you're going to win. Situations like this, most people, especially those who are nightly or see themselves as nightly, ran into this topic. Coming at it, believing it was exactly what it appeared to be. I think that's great. And I'm more than willing to address that here and now. Yeah, don't consort with those of no honor. It does nothing for you, and eventually they're going to put you in a bad situation. Eventually, they're going to promise something on your behalf to someone. Or, worse yet, they're going to get you to promise something on your behalf that is dangerous or that you cannot fulfill. Because they don't see it as a big deal. They don't see any value in it, so they don't see any value in your word any more than they do in their own. And that's a dangerous person to be around. That person will bring you into more calamity, more issues, more problems. And even if they don't do all of that, they're just going to break your heart. And there's no value in that either. That's my takeaway on it. Somebody brought the comment that there is a realistic aspect to this. And of course there is. Those of us who come running, like you said, often oftentimes come from from that back back from that romantic ideal of slay the dragon and that's not bad i just want to put that out there it's not bad it's not good it's not bad it's it's it's, it's of no mind it's it's it, it's just there okay uh, again inspiration is inspiration i'll never knock somebody who's inspired by something good to try and do good however there is a realistic component to this uh, you know, as you said in, 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 in the majority of your responses. And I was kind of poking you a little bit 
Um, but I think everybody could see that. And, you know, you know I was poking you just, just to try to squeeze more juice out of you, as it were. But, you know, I, I gave up trying to squeeze juice out of Travis. That fool, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I scratch at him and he gives me a two-word response. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know. And, and I'm poking at him because he knows it. Because him and I have talked about it, you know, a million times over in, in private. That, you know, trying to get blood from him is like trying to get blood from a turnip, man. It just can't, you can't get anything out. Uh, but, Tre- but there Travis is a... pulls the old... He pulls the old Derek Thompson on you. Remember, remember back in the the days of Ashland Heights, Master Thompson would come in, and there'd be a question that could be answered with one word. Like uh, I think my favorite was still, "Should gay Jedi have to be married?" And he put in all caps across the screen, the biggest font he could find, "No," and then "Done," and locked the thread. That's yeah. what Travis does. He gives you. He gives you. You know, should you trust people that tell lies? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, O Font of Wisdom. And in a way, I respect that. I, I really do. But you know, the point of a discussion board is to create discussion and have fun with it. But uh, I love you, Travis, and you know that, my friend. But there is a there is a realistic uh, component to this, and, and there's something we're forgetting. It's expectation versus expectation, right? There, there are expectations, as you alluded to just a, just a few minutes ago. Now, I always believe that, that people in a relationship, any kind of relationship, should never have expectations that aren't agreed upon, right? Because if you put an expectation on somebody in your life without their consent... You are dooming them to fail. They're going to, I promise you, they will fail you. Because in your mind, that expectation is set in stone. It comes from a place of, uh, uh, of right action. And it comes from a, from a steadfast stance on your beliefs and your truths. You are dooming them to fail. Because truth is, is really a subjective thing, isn't it, in this world? Um, but... It also goes back to to doing what we say we're going to do. Because that's what turns truth not as a subjective thing, but as a real thing. If you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, well, then that truth is still elusive. But if you say you're going to do something from the center of your being and you do it, then that person knows what your truth is or, or they at least know that you, not so much your truth, but if you're constantly walking the talk, then they know what to expect from you. But when you, you know, you said something earlier about consorting with those of no honor. And that's a very romantic idea, right? I mean, it's in all the stories and all the books, it was like, have at thee, knave, and they just go to kill each other. Like, there's no discussion. There's no, you know, hey, man, how's your mom been? They go to killing each other, right? Because one person is perceived to have no honor, one person is perceived to have all the honor. All of the honors in the whole world is, is theirs. But that's very romantic and it's not true. It's not real. Um, and it comes, boils down to, for me, it boils down to expectations. You know, when you put expectations on people without their permission, without their consent, you're dooming them to fail. And they are going to let you down. They'll let you down because 
That expectation is, is on you. It's not on them. However, the context of this, uh, of this topic c- kind of narrowed it down a little bit, but it even the rabbit hole gets even tighter once you put more context to it, right? Uh, what if this person that keeps letting you down is your parents, is your guardian, is your father or mother? You know, then it really gets really hard to, to tackle this because you, you are tied to them in one way or the other. Now, you don't have to be, and I'm never suggesting that you ditch your parents or whatever. It's not what I'm saying. But this goes back to both of the topics we talked about earlier. Your video and the selfish person, whatever it was called, video. This all goes back to that because you, you have to make these determinations. You have to make these these choices where are you giving it to waste your time with somebody who is never good to their word? And if it's not a if it's not something that's sudden, like for example, if if this person was always, you know, up upstanding and good good to their word and always did you right, but then all of a sudden they stopped doing it, then you might have cause for complaint. But if this person was always kind of a dirtbag, at, at what point do you say, wow, maybe it's me because I'm putting these expectations on people and they're never going to follow through, as you said. Your your honor, your word means nothing to them. It never did before. Well, if I may, um, you hit on, and I don't know that the person who brought this topic up was specifically speaking on their parents, but if they were, this is where it does become very rough because – on some level, I don't want to say you've got to understand where they're coming from, but you probably do understand that they don't want to look bad to their child. No parent wants to look poorly to their child, so a lot of parents make promises they can't keep. And this actually reminds me of my own uh, dearly departed. Do I have any love for my father? Jury says no. So my... Thankfully departed father. I know one of my cousins is going to hear this and hit me on it. Um, I don't care. Really. My thankfully departed father was really big on making promises he could not keep. And it was always tomorrow, next week, next year. I I am very much... Uh, I I recognize the need to break a promise from time to time. Um, but I also see a promise being something that is as best as can be expected, whereas an oath is something you can only give on things that you can definitely hold to. And even then, oaths have limitations. You know, as I always say, there's always that one meteorite that can fall out of the sky. But with parents, one of the things that you'll note is that they're often looking for that reassurance that they've done well by the child or that the child loves them because they are beating themselves up so so bad about everything they haven't done or everything they've done wrong. And in this case, without knowing all the details, it really leads my mind into they've done quite a lot wrong and they, they failed more often than succeeded. And just in general, not just in promises, but in all of what it means. That may not be the case. That may be me reading into it. I may be seeing my father, the ghost of, of Charles McBride Sr., uh, you know, echoing his, his voice, you know, 
whatever whatever's left of it after the 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 smoke got his lungs from all the cigarettes he smoked but uh you know maybe i'm hearing the voice of him in in this report now but regardless of that i can tell you that they do it mostly because they want their children to love them they want them to look up to them they want that response that a child has when you make the promise and the child has the response you know, will you take me to the fair tomorrow? Yes, I will. Really? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, even though they know they're not going to be able to because they work tomorrow. They don't want to disappoint because in their mind, it is worse to say I cannot or I'm not sure than it is to have given you hope. And I don't agree with them. Uh, especially if it's something they have more control over. If it's like, well, are you really going to quit drinking? Yes. Yes, I will. Um, well, screw you. You better quit drinking. That's within your power. I, that's, that's not even like work told you you had to come in and you need the job to provide for the kids. That's, you said you're going to quit drinking. You do it. There is no other force stopping you other than your own willpower. But I don't know all the details. So I can I can see two very very broad sets of examples where in which the parent is trying to reassure the child and doesn't want the child to think poorly of them and I do not say this is honorable but I have compassion for them for wanting to give the child hope or wanting to try to be there for them and then the other side of it you know they break the promises just because they can break the promises. Oh, yeah, we'll hang out tomorrow after lunch. An adult and a child, you know, type of scenario where they're, they're uh, uh, an adult child and an adult parent, obviously, are in this. Well, I, I should say uh, a, a child who is an adult and a parent who's, who is of age there, <laughs> who is, who is uh, well past come of age, not necessarily an adult, because an adult doesn't make plans for lunch if they can't hold to them. You know, it's like when you ask if I wanted to do the show, I always say, yeah, I'm going to try to be there. You almost never get me to say, oh, I'll be there because I run a business. Hell, I don't even tell my clients I'm going to get things to them today or tomorrow. I say, I'm going to try barring emergencies or acts of God or things coming up in the family. And I do that so often. And I, I, I tell, I've talked to a couple of clients been like, yeah, it feels like such a cop out. And they're like, no, 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 you're, at least you're, you're the most honest person I deal with all day long. <laughs> Because there are so many things you can't control, even in business, that it's it's insane. I so my heart goes out to the to when it's a parent with a young child and they're trying to do their best, and they don't want the child to always feel like they can never do or never hold to never achieve these things that the child wants. But at that point, that parent needs to grow up a little and not make the promises all the time. I have compassion for them. I understand why they're doing what they do (laughs) for the child, for the child. They need to grow up as well and recognize that they cannot ask the parent these things that are beyond their means in that type of situation. Now, if it's just the, if it's a dinner date example that I gave, and if I, if I ripped that from the mind of someone to you, bless me for it. Um, I, I feel like I did the worst part. I don't know if it's your laugh or if I'm just psychic, but with the dinner date example, at that point, it is on the child to realize that their parent 
is not someone they can depend on. And to treat them with respect, if they've not crossed the line too far, with love, if they've not crossed the line too far, and to kind of, I am so harsh. Everyone, you've got to remember, I had nothing to do with my father after he tried to blame the marriage problems of him and my mother on on her when he was sleeping around and, and wanting all levels of perversity from her that she was not into. I, so I, I, I cut ties with him without even thinking about it after she died. So I'm a harsh person and take this as understanding how harsh a man I am. But uh, if they've reached that point, I would even cut the ties of love. I would be like, look, we share genetic code. I share genetic code with monkeys too. You don't see me calling them. And I would be that clear and that harsh, but I'm, I'm a bulldozer on things like that. If you are always canceling on me, I really don't care who you are. If you're always failing me, then you are always failing me. I, I become Darth Vader. You failed me for the last time. Choke slam. You know? But that's me. I, I, am, I am a very, very harsh man. I have a lot of forgiveness. But don't use it all up. And I recommend to the child, have a lot of forgiveness. But if it's all used up, look at them and say, look, you know, before we had this deal where you were the parent and I loved you and I forgave you. And I was the child and, you know, you shat on me. The terms of the deal have been altered. Pray I don't alter them further. I'm only laughing because you're actually a Boy Scout uh, compared to what I'm about to say. Um, And I'm going to hit on a couple points that, that you made. Because kill them, um, kill them in cold blood, and drag their body over to the church steps so that all will know. No, not that bad. No, 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 not quite that bad. But look, I have zero compassion for a parent who constantly lies or blows their kid off, and I don't care how old the kid is. Okay, but I don't have any compassion for him, especially with your example with the young child going to the fair. No, you're a, you're an asshole if you get your kid's hopes up all the time, knowing damn well you're not going to do what you say you're going to do. With that example, you are a piece of crap. And somebody should spank your ass and teach you a lesson because you don't, that kid's going to grow up look, be, being just like you and they're going to treat somebody else like that or they're going to treat their children like that. A young child sh- can't grow up if the adult hasn't grown up either. And I know I sound a little more harsh than you, but no, but but you know, to be fair, I'm not disagreeing with you to be fair. I want to make it clear. Um, when I say I understand there's a definite, and I say I have compassion. There's a difference between having compassion and understanding and agreeing. I, I am, I'm more or less taking your stance. It's that I can logically, together why they're doing it from an emotional standpoint and i still think it's wrong but at least i can say oh i see how you know peg a is slit fitting into slot b um it's not that i approve though to to be really clear well you know i i come from a place of experience i've raised five children many uh, m- the majority of them who are grown up now and i could march them in here right now and they, they will tell you 
that my dad has never broken a promise to us. And it's not because I'm better. It's not because I'm better than you or better than the, even, even better than the parent in your example. But it's because it's not my job to worry about whether my kids like me or not. They're stuck with me. <laughs> they're, they're stuck with me for a minute amount of time. And as long as I'm not abusing them, as long as I'm not hurting them, as long as I'm feeding them, sheltering them, protecting them, clothing them, all this good stuff, schooling them, I, I, don't, I don't have to worry about them liking me. But I also need my children to understand what disappointment feels like. And I need them to understand what it means to, or, or how it feels to not get your way, for example. So with that example uh, of the child going to the fair, I, I've had that very question come up a million times in the last 20 plus years. From one child or the other. Can we go to the zoo this weekend? Can we go to the fair this weekend? You know, I'd really love to, but um, I have to work. I, I have to keep a roof over your head, is usually what I say. And it's true. But any time that I've ever told them, yes, we're going, we go. We go. We There's no, you know, if something comes up to where I may have to break that promise, I don't break the promise. I tell the other thing or the other person or whatever, sorry, I already made plans. Sorry, I promised my kids. And anybody that knows me on a personal level, they'll vouch for that. Sorry, I made plans. Sorry, my, my kids come first. I made them a promise. My wife could vouch for it. I promise her something. It is done. It's set in stone. Now, I, again, again, I want to say that doesn't make me better. It just... And it does make me put me on some moral high ground other than somebody else. And I'll, and, and I'll explain to you why this is important here in a second, Charles. And, and, and you're going to be like, you son of a bitch. I, I promise you, you're going to give me that look that's like, damn it, Justin. It doesn't put me on this pedestal above anybody else. However, I don't think that lying or, or giving people false hope is a good thing for someone in our path to do. It doesn't matter if it's a child parent, doesn't matter if it's a brother or sister, doesn't matter if it's a, you know, a, a partner, it doesn't matter if it's a coworker, your boss, whoever, it doesn't matter. You should never knowingly falsely give someone hope that you know for a fact is not true because that in the end will destroy your credibility with that person and you may need that person to pick you up someday. You may have your you may be flat on your back and put your hand out for this person to grab you and pull you up and you've lost all credibility with them. Now, I'll tell you why this is important, Charles. I'll give you some more context. I've been feeding you this context purposely, little by little. The friends, friends have done this. Uh, you know, uh, school kids have done this. Their, their father has done this. But can you imagine how this kid would be? If they were actually raised by that piece of crap, if they were actually raised by that person who lied to them constantly, blew them off constantly, not not only from a not only from a point of them being of age, but their entire freaking life. Now, here's the kicker. The reason it's a problem is because this kid was raised by somebody who never lied was raised by somebody who never broke promises, 
was raised by somebody who always said, if you have nothing else in this world, you always have your word. You will always have your integrity. Something they can't never take from you. It's only something you can give away. Now, empathetically place yourself in the shoes of that person who is in a situation like that. Well, I am not disagreeing with you, that's for sure. You know, the problem with this situation, and you know, you hit back on the nature of, is it right for the parent to do it? And like I said, my thing is, I always gauge right and wrong by the level of whether or not I can understand the person doing something. Um, What I mean by that is there are wrongs in which I will disconnect from you or toss you out of my life. And then there are wrongs for which they've earned an ass whooping. And I don't mean a verbal beatdown. I mean, like, I have a polypropylene staff, a uh, polytherine, rather, is the proper term, that is pretty much indestructible and will shatter bone on one hit. And there's a reason I own something like that, because it's useful to me. And an ass whooping is an ass whooping, and it can be warranted. And when I say that I can understand where someone's coming from, it means that I'm not having the urge to draw a weapon upon them and beat them half to death. Whereas when I don't understand where someone's coming from, um, it's it's conscious effort and it's a recognition that the law was protecting them at that moment. Um, that if there was no law in a different world, I would definitely do some violence. And there are a lot of a lot of dishonesties that I would do violence over. But in this instance, I feel bad for the kids more than anything. I I feel bad for any child that was raised in an environment where they learned to make promises they couldn't keep. You know, I feel bad for a child that is used to the word being a solid thing or even a near solid thing, which is most people's case, you know, and then seeing that shatter around them. I still think there's a time and a place to break an oath, but there's also a time and a place to not make an oath. And you certainly shouldn't be making oaths you know you're not going to keep. You, uh, in hitting on all this, actually really uh, hit something that I've had to witness. I worked retail for a really long time. You know this. I worked 15 years at a grocery store. Oh, my God. You know what? I don't work retail anymore. I can can tell people I worked at a grocery store. I don't have to be like, I worked retail. Um, Because, you know, if they were tracing my records back, now they could figure out where it was at. You know, whereas retail could have been like a number of places. And I really don't care if anyone figures out. I'm not going to say anything bad about the company. Or even mention it because there were some good times, you know. But I can tell you for a fact, any number of times we had workers that were scheduled off and had made plans with their family and they got called in. And I've heard a boss say, Well, look, I understand you made plans with your family and you promised. So you should also let your family know that you'll be looking for another job after this week. We really don't need you that bad. And we need you tonight, but we won't need you tomorrow night. And in the harshness of the world, especially in the town that I lived in where the unemployment rate was so high that no, if, if the unemployment rate for the nation had been what the unemployment rate for that town was, the president would have been removed from office 
just for not having fixed this yet. That's how bad that town was. You're sitting there and you're looking at that, and you've got to choose a lesser of two evils. If you know you can't get another job, you know the bill coming due or the bills are past due, you suck it up and you deal with it. But there's a big difference between that and knowing you're scheduled to go in at nine in the morning and being like, yeah, I'll take you to the fair at 10. There's a really big difference there. And some people just do it out of habit. They lie because they say what they want to believe could be true. And those people don't really have any value. But that's what soul gems are for. That's what soul gems are for. But you <laughs> have to have that's going to be our new catchphrase. Yeah, but you have to have the spell. Don't forget, get it early because you're going to need it a lot, especially in this world. Romantically, these things, this goes back to, to the romantic parts of this path. No matter which little road this path takes, and I mean, at the base, we're all kind of the same. These light oriented warrior, you know, type paths. And I really hate, I, I don't know how to say that, but, you know, that's the closest I can come. You're right. Stuff does come up, very important stuff. And believe me, I've, I've seen those things too, where people are like, well, you don't know, no, you can go ahead and go to the zoo, but um, I'm going to fire you. Or at the very least, I'm going to make your life miserable for the rest of your time here where you'll want to leave. However, this also goes back, goes circles back to the realistic expectations. Look, this is not all or nothing for the person giving their word. This goes back to, you know, as you said, the honorable do not deal with the dishonorable. Well, majority of the time, when we're giving people our word, we're dealing with, with people in our lives. And this is where it becomes real, right? We're dealing with people in our lives. Whether they were put there by birth, whether we were put there by oaths, as in marriage or some other ceremony, whether they were put there genetically, there's still a realistic expectation that has to be understood because this is not a romantic story. This is not a romantic novel. This is life. This is the real world. That big piece of hunk of rock that's hurling through space. Okay? The person giving their word is not the only person on the hook here. Right? And it's, it's not so much that, oh, this person broke their word or broke their promise. Um, they are the scummiest of the scum because again you have to have realistic expectations not only coming from the person giving their word but the, from the person that receiving the word because there has to be an understanding that when I give you my word when I say uh, we're going to go here tomorrow I know last week I told you that I had to work and we couldn't go but I didn't tell you that we were going to go I told you that We'll, we'll try again next week or we'll try again later type of thing. And you make the plans and as you said, you know, you get called in. I work in a job. My uh, um, call-ins are mandatory. If I get called into work, it's because Armageddon has probably hit somewhere because I work in a very quiet community. So if I get called in uh, on the fly, something bad has happened, really bad, okay? Um, the community caught on fire or something. All right. At that point, I'm going to say, uh, let's use my children as an example. I'm going to say to them, look, I know I promised you, but this is what's going on up there. And I have to go. I have to go up there. 
we will keep trying. I give you my word that we will keep trying to get to, you know, whatever it is, the zoo, whatever, the park, you know. Um, and if, if those kids understand that expectation that, you know, part of this is on them, and this is not just for the kids. My kids are easy to deal with because I've raised them, right? I've raised them to understand these things. But sometimes grown-ups have trouble realizing this stuff. So, you know, if, if you're on the receiving end of somebody's word and you're on the receiving end of someone's promise and they let you down, don't, don't hold it so hard against them because stuff happens. There's an expectation on you to also understand, to be understanding. You know, and that goes back to what you're saying, that this comes back to realistic expectations. And I was kind of poking at Adam there a little bit um, in the comments, but, you know, I was just kind of trying to play devil's advocate a little bit. Because at the heart of this is these understood realistic expectations between person A and person B. And if those, if those realistic expectations are not there, then everybody's going to be disappointed. But that's not your fault. <laughs> that's on them. If they can't keep, you know, if someone can't keep realistic expectations on you, then that, that, that can't be held to you. That can't be, you know, held against you. You know, one thing I want to hit on with this, too, um, we always, as you said, you gave very little information at the start of this, and it's progressed. And uh, as always with these hypotheticals, there's a douche somewhere that needs a soul gem. Um, <laughs> I knew they were out there, but I, I, I played some devil's advocate myself, partially because a lot of the times, in my experience, the question of someone's word comes down to the i'm going to hold you to an oath that's very important to me without you knowing what it's going to be first but i need your word on it and these scenarios always start out with the statement well i need to talk to you about something it's always something the person will never tell you what it is but i need your word that it stays between us i've taken to telling people i'm like well um, I can I can promise to keep it between us, you know, up to a degree. And they're like, what do you mean to a degree? I'm like, well, if it's going to endanger someone's life. But even then, I don't always say to a degree because if it is that risky, then I might need to know to solve the problem. So anymore at this point, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. What's up? And that may sound very dishonorable. and Maybe it is. Um but the fact that someone can ask you to be held to that, knowing that it's placing dishonor upon you and your own moral system to hold to this ideal, they're going to do this terrible thing, you know? They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna butch their kids and turn them into hot dogs, you know? They just bought the meat grinder yesterday, and they wanted your opinion on the seasoning to put in. Um, at that point, I'm going to go full blast, I'm going to do everything I can to stop it. Well, that's an extreme one, but maybe the person is going to run out on their wife and kids and take all the money and go. That is something that that's realistic. You know, that's, I haven't dealt with that one specifically, but it's realistic enough. You know, your buddy calls you up and he says that, you know, at that point, I'm going to try to talk them out of it. I'm going to do everything I can to stop them. But if I seriously suspect that, you know, this is the sole income for a family and, you know, two or three little kids are going to go hungry. 
because this jackass decided to do this and got my word on it first. You know, my word didn't weigh that much before when I was carrying it. And my dishonor won't weigh that much either. It won't slow me down for having broke it. And that sounds so cavalier on it. It sounds like I'm just tossing my word away. But the thing is, I've sworn oaths prior to that. And at that point, that person is very dishonorable for having asked me to step into that situation. I don't even know how they think they knew who I was at that point. It's like, who the f*** do they think I am? Um, what you have done is inadvertently uh, took us to another point of this where you don't seem like such a bad guy or a dishonorable guy because with the example that you have provided so graciously to me, I would say to you that now it's not about your honor as much as it is about your reputation versus your character. Your character is that thing made by you. You have built this thing over a lifetime by all these old oaths and promises and actions and all these things that you have put into building your character, which is what people should be judging you based upon. Not not the fact that you dimed them out because they were uh, getting ready to hurt somebody. You know, <laughs> your character is more important than your reputation. And your, your example was perfect because... By ratting, by diamond out your friend, you are risking your reputation with him. Yeah. However, that reputation means dick when it comes to people being potentially hurt. Uh, like the small children in your example, they may go hungry. Your character, the person you are at your very core, that's made up of all the stuff in the whole world that you have built is what will define you. And the by the very act of trying to first talk the person out of it, tell them, hey man, it's not that bad. Don't do that to your kids. Don't do that to your wife. To, I'm telling on you. I'm calling your wife right now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm ratting you out because you're you're bad dude you right now, dude. You're, you're making bad dis- decisions. You may ruin your reputation with that person, but your character is made stronger by that. Regardless of whether you are honoring your word or not. Right? So I I totally agree. And that's the point of view I come from. The thing is, generally speaking, my word is good. And what I mean by that is that anyone anyone who's done business with me, anyone who knows me, anyone who's my friend, knows that I do my very best to fulfill my word. Um, It's just who I am, what I do. But at the same time, I recognize that the value of my word has an upper limit versus the harsh realities of physical events. And what I mean by that is your word is a statement of potential as to what you will either attempt to do, fulfill doing, or not do in a given situation, whereas the harsh reality is the result of any of those actions. And when you give your word, you don't always know the result of the actions. It's kind of like the whole, take your kids to the zoo. Yeah, but the the lions are out. Okay. Someone left the cage open. The reason you're being called into work is because someone has to put the lions back, Justin, and it's going to be you, (laughs) you know, it is. And they, because 
you're scarier than the lions. They figure you can get them back in the cages. The problem with taking the kids to the zoo and telling, you know, work to call someone else in for this is even if they did call someone else in, you're still taking the kids, you know, to see the lions, to, to feed the lions possibly, which is even worse. And you know that with the repercussion being what it will be, that it's better to lose a little face and save complete honor, as it were. And this is where we mesh all of these concepts like honor into the same thing, where they used to be used to have what was called face. And then you were you could save face by either performing an atonement for things you did wrong or doing things to make certain that you seem to be in the right or look better for your actions as a public thing, which is where oaths and words come into play in a lot of ways. But honor was something more. It was something deeper. And it's cultural. Like the Japanese concept of honor is all about face. It is only about face. So if you told, you, if you told your kids you were taking them to see the lions, then they better run fast when they get there. Because you had given, and especially feudal Japan, you know, your word was your word. And the repercussions be damned. That is a very, very, very Eastern mind frame. And it is one that got dropped hundreds of years ago. Because it's not functional for providing a better society, a safer society, and for protecting life, property, in the pursuit of happiness, I suppose. But there was a time where that was the honor. There are still people out there that hold that honor code. Where if you ask them to not let anyone know that you were about to do a terrible thing, and they said, oh, I agree, I will let no one know, they'd, they'd do it. And the worst part is, um, I've been that guy. And I've even been that guy not too long ago. I can't talk about the uh, the specifics of it. Uh, anyone real close to me will know them. But I was asked by someone to hold some information from someone else because they were planning to do some things. And I found out that their side of the story was untruthful, wildly untruthful. And the result was that before it was all said and done, I'm still holding to my oath, no matter how shitty I think it is. And then I find out the repercussions. I finally break the oath because I, I see the other repercussions. I find out that the entire basis for the oath, this is happening and I need you to do this. Oh, none of that was happening. And they really didn't you know, need me to hold the oath for protection of their life. That was definitely certain, but I had to reach that point. And Looking at myself holding an oath that had no value, even though it rubbed me wrong to do so because I had sworn, it really it made me think about it. There's still a majorly huge difference between making promises you know you can't keep and keeping promises you know you shouldn't. And I look at it like this. Don't make promises you know you can't keep, but if you've made a promise you know you shouldn't, break it hard and fast. Doing what is right is better than being right. Doing what is good is better than being right with yourself. And being able to say, my personal honor remains intact. Screw your personal honor. Your personal honor won't mean anything at the end of the day if people are dying from it. But that's my view. 
and you've more or less, you know, set down very, very much the same or similar things. I think it's kind of amazing that so many of us have been lied to. <laughs> so many of us have been lied to that when this was brought up with no other information, basically Justin gets up there like, y'all hate liars. Yeah. You know, um, that the response was this overwhelming, you know, b- burn the, uh, burn the liar, burn the heretic. And I think that's interesting as well. That just shows how many people don't value their word and how negative an impact it's had on us who do look more introspectively and do value our words. It, it shows what the world's become because there was the time where this conversation, the very first thing someone would have thought was, well, well why would I, why would I be uh, going back on my word? That's a very strange thing for me to do. You would think a man wouldn't have to go back on his word as a rule. And now we've all had people go back on their word so often that our first response is hang them, hang them high and light them on fire and get a soul gem ready. At the end of the day, for me, this comes. This certainly comes down to reputation versus character, because everything a everything a person that walks this path is doing is character building. They may not realize it. You know, you're 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 building character by following whatever virtues or agreements that you're following, whatever oaths you're taking. They are not for the sake of your reputation. They're for the sake of your character. And if you have to break a promise, if you have to break an oath, if you're a good person, you're doing so at the sake of your character versus the sake of your reputation. This path that we're on and the similar paths that follow us and listen to us ramble on and talk about soul gems or even being a decent person, it's not easy. It's never easy. It's not supposed to be easy. You know? Standing up for your character and being true to your word at the expense of your reputation, it's going to be hard and it's supposed to be hard. Talking about this uh, now for a half hour at least, um, about keeping our expectations real. Because the path we walk has to be walked in this real world, in this real life. I will say this. Concepts like honor and integrity and these ideals that we hold to are very loose things. They're ways that we define ourselves that help us define how we're going to interact with the world around us. What we should be focusing on more than anything is internal contemplation and setting course of who we want to be and how we want to be that. And through that internal contemplation, really focusing on how to alter our own actions to get from point A to point B. I think that's maybe the most important thing any of us can do. When you do that, you're going to find that you start matching up with your codes of conduct and your codes of honor intuitively. That the question of whether or not you're going to honor your word is more of one where it is a given that you will outside of special circumstances. And that more often than not, you'll strive to avoid those special circumstances by making sure that you don't give your word or if you prefer your oath to an action. That said, we must always remember that we change over time. And the person that gave the oath 
It's not always the person, especially long-term oaths, that is keeping the oath years later. And this is something I've noticed, especially within nightly communities where we have oaths to organizations and orders, and then the orders become bad or the organizations go bad. You have to question if where you gave your oath, that place is even the same one you joined up and gave the oath to, or if you're the same person who gave that oath. And there is no shame in taking back an oath on occasion when the circumstances, the people involved, the events around it have changed. But there is great shame in giving oaths so often that you're getting solicited from car dealerships to sell their cars. Not that if you're a car dealer that you're necessarily a bad person, but it is a nifty stereotype to use for the joke. Realistically speaking, if you've given so many oaths that your word has no value, then you have no value to your word. You're better off to no longer give oaths at all because no one's going to take them seriously anyway. And the only thing you're doing is giving people more reason to be angry at you. If you've reached that point where your word has lost its meaning, then hold your word. And maybe over time, holding your word, you'll find a way to regain it. Maybe over time, it'll have value again, if that's what you're aiming for. Now, if you're just a manipulative SOB who likes to get what they want by offering false promises, I think my last words for you are soul gem. Way, way soul gem. <laughs> a knight is loyal to their ideas and is loyal to doing what is right and just. A knight is someone who stands for an idea, loyal to the betterment of themselves and those around. Understanding that loyalty is a virtue and must be used with temperament. Changing an ideal is key in growth, which is why the knight is always on guard for when an ideal, a person, or an order no longer serves its purpose. That kind of sums up what what you said there, and I really do believe that. I, uh, I didn't even know you were going to use that's the worst part. I just looked at so many nightly communities that I've seen rise and become detrimental, and I thought, man, we better at least make a note on this because you know, I've left communities where I swore an oath, and I looked over and said, we are not holding to the standard we set. We're not holding to the oaths that we took. If I hold to this oath, I lose my honor. I lose my dignity. I lose my word having value because I'm associated with this. And uh, a lot of people won't like that I say it that way, but, you know, it's true. And you damage your character. Yep. I damage something. I damage my soul at that point. Yeah. We're going to end the show with this. I've been talking for two hours almost straight. No breaks. If you listen to this, Woo-hoo. we took no breaks today. We're going to end the show with Ashla Axiom number 71, which ties in beautifully. If a relationship is to succeed, one must be gracious yet firm. And my thoughts on this are as follows. Loving without fear allows us to experience freedom within a relationship. We don't have fences and walls built around ourselves and our other half. Instead, you are bound by mutual agreements that each person chose to abide by freely, by choice, rather than by expectation. We love you all very much. And until next time, awaken the night within.